Good morning, church. I'm so glad you're watching us this morning. And uh, I know some of you might actually even be out at the campground, and that's a great thing. The weather's beautiful, and I remember years ago when I was mad that Canadians disappear in the summer, the Lord was clear, you only get two months of summer. Come on, give them a break. And uh, so some of you might be away doing something else, and uh, that's okay. Hopefully you've been able to catch up and watch the message stream as we go on. One thing before I get on to my message I wanted to bring up was uh, this coming Sunday, so a week from today, is usually our prayer summit. And I say usually because, well, it still is our prayer summit, but uh, the staff and the team kind of were talking about it. We're doing an initiative right now to love our healthcare workers. Uh, we have some free pizzas we're giving them, free coffees. And we thought it would be just awesome to be able to uh, also uh, go to the places like around their flagpoles outside and pray for them. And so we're asking you as a family or as a group of friends, up to five, we're allowed five outside, to sign up, go to our church center app, and if you go to the calendar, uh, things coming up, that kind of stuff, and click on meet you at the poll or meet me at the poll, and there's a registration in there, and you can sign up to pray at one of the polls, the hospital, some fire halls, and some other health units in the city, uh, we just want to love on our community. We're going to let them know we're there. That it's 6 o'clock next Sunday night. Look outside at the pole. You'll see people praying for you. Uh, we just want to know that we love them, we appreciate them. And I think this is a great exercise of our church to take our prayers and actually go out into the community and pray for our community. Last week, uh, Caleb began his message on this Acts 1-8 passage. And he started off by talking about the Holy Spirit. And it is very important for us to understand. I mean, this teaching point was so critical that until this verse, Acts 1-8, Jesus told his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't speak a word until the Holy Spirit comes on you. And if we as a church don't comprehend this teaching, this foundational teaching, we can so easily move into religion, ritual, and all the things, and just become all about us, our little club. We want to, as a church, continue to be Holy Spirit-driven. A.W. Tozer, an old Alliance pastor, wrote these words 40, 50 years ago. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know it. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Did you hear that difference? I don't know if it's still true today, but I do know that if a church neglects, forgets, that what we do is by the Holy Spirit's power, by the inside changed hearts, changed lives, transformation, if we forget that, if we neglect that, we just become a club. 
organization that meets for some reason of scratching each other's back. And I don't think any of us would want that. We have been learning as a church in changing hearts and changing lives that if you or I are not connecting with Jesus daily and hearing his verse, voice, reading the word of God, then we're at danger at best of becoming cultural Christians and at worst drifting. Hebrews 1, read it sometime. Very opening words. He warns us as a church, don't drift. And I believe the way to not drift is spend time in the Word. You, me, by ourselves, first and foremost, in the morning. Open up your Bible. Read what God says. And then listen to what he has to say to you. Just be quiet. And you can prompt once in a while and ask questions and listen. If we are not Holy Spirit-driven, Holy Spirit-led, as individuals in the church, we will be doomed. We will just become Worshippers of our beautiful building, worshipers of what we used to do. We will tell stories of the past. I believe God wants to continue doing a new work. And so let's be Holy Spirit-driven churches. Cultural Christianity focuses on outward appearances and does not focus on the transformation Jesus brings internally. Without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we focus on ourselves and not on, and this is the message today, and not on the lost. This, friends, is a very key, important point in reaching our neighbors, our city, our province, our country, and the world. If we let our change lies and change hearts go before us as a church, we will truly be witnesses, not so much with our mouths, but with our lives, with our actions, with our attitudes, with our character, our Christ-like character. And then being witnesses is really easy. So let's read Acts 1.8 just before I pray. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I had an old Bible college professor and he always says you can tell the health of a church by how globally minded they are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Dr. Cook and his words. And I thank you, God, for what you've been doing in my heart, what you've been doing in people's hearts in our church. Change lives, change hearts. Oh, God, you've been healing soul wounds. You've been revealing lies we've believed. And we have been growing in character, in godly character. And oh, God, forgive me for there have been times when I've given up on Anthony. I've believed that I've grown as far as I can. I am who I am. But you have proven to me, even in my 60s, that I can still grow. I can still change. I can still repent of lies that I believe. I can still have the Holy Spirit giving me power, giving me transformation so that I will be a witness. And so, God, would you be with the message today? In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Now I want to think back to those passages, those words from Acts 1-8, and I want to camp a little bit, first of all, on the word witness. Now, if you've been in this church a long time, you know that I believe as much or as equal in that word witness is how we live and how we act, as is what we say. There are a lot of really bad behaving, character-wise, People that love to speak with words, well, sometimes condemnation to others instead of invitation of Jesus and his love. The word witness in Greek language is literally, it, it, here's how you say, you say martyr. It actually, the word martyr. Now, don't get led astray by that word martyr. It doesn't mean that, well, sometimes it does mean that we're going to be killed, but the word martyr, as our English word today, gets and derives from that. But literally, in the Greek, the word martyr means witness. And actually, probably even a better sense than the word witness is the sense of you were an eyewitness or an ear witness to something, and you testify about it. When you think about the Greek word of witness, there's a real sense of, personalness of it, that changed hearts, changed lives thing about it. In other words, God is doing something in you. It's not just doctrine and Bible knowledge you have, but there's transformation, there's a changed heart, there's a new life going on, and it's ongoing. It, it never stops until the day. Oh, and I remember <laughs> Victor Zacharias, in his 80s, in the hospital, an old pastor from this church, and I remember going in and he started talking about a scripture of uh, a scripture reading. He was reading that. I mean, the guy's on his deathbed and he started getting tears in his eyes. He's, I never noticed this before, Anthony. And I remember him looking and he goes, if I get out of here, can I come preach on this passage? You see, God wants to keep working in you. He wants you to be even a better witness. He wants people to ask questions like, what in the world's going on with you? Oh, there was a, a young man that came to the altar a number of weeks ago, and I, I just prayed for him. He was having some issues, some behavioral stuff. And as I talked to the young man, I prayed for him. And that week, his teacher asked the parents, what's going on? There's something different. You see, this is the witness that God has called us to do and to be. The Holy Spirit comes on you and leads you and changes you. And then you testify or witness to others about Jesus. It's personal. It's powerful. It's actually stress-free. As you live right, people will be drawn to you. If anyone asks a question, if anyone says to you, what's changing you? What's different about you? What's going on? Or even if they say, hey, tell me about God. I know you believe in God. People can't ask those questions without the Holy Spirit being there. This is stress-free stuff. You don't have to necessarily, I, I hope you have an answer to give of the reason what's in. Even if you were to memorize the first little bit of John chapter 3, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his one only son. But bottom line, just testify. Tell the story of what Jesus is doing in your life. I mean, I have a story of something that happened to me this last Tuesday. Oh, I'd love to tell you about it, but I don't have time. I'm sorry. Well, God healed my shoulder, and I'll just leave it at that. It was incredible. It was cool. But this text says 
We are to be witnesses. And it goes on to say, and I'm adding my own words in here, in Grand Prairie, in Alberta, in Canada, and around the world. Now, why in the world do you think locations were given? Now, there's so much controversy about the location stuff. Some people will say, was it intentional? You start first locally, and once that gets reached, then you go provincially, and then nationally, and then around the world. I don't think that's the point of the text. I think the point of the text is we need to be intentional here at home, in our province, our country, and around the world. And like my professor, Dr. Cook, said, a true sign of a spirit-led church is a church that is outward-focused and is reaching the world. They're reaching their neighbors, they're reaching their province, they're reaching their country, they're reaching the world. So let's focus. Now, Caleb last Sunday focused on our neighborhoods. Let's focus on the Judea and Samaria, on the Grand Prairie, on the Alberta, on the Canada stuff. I read a news story this week, and it said now that Canada's over 50% of our population have their first shots. The purpose of the article stated that because we're so far along, we should start giving our shots away to countries that can't afford it. I'm going to be honest with you, my reaction, now nobody was around, but I actually shouted out, no, we need to get better first. How can we help anybody else? I mean, do you hear the rush like that? That me, 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 me? The Holy Spirit gave me a check that point and said, Anthony, it's not just about Canada. It's about the world. You see, we get so self-focused so easily. And I didn't want to share our vaccines. And you might even be listening to me go, oh, no, I think vaccines are horrible. Or you might be saying, no, no, we should hoard them for ourselves. But let me tell you, that is worldly thinking. That isn't God thinking. I mean, the image I got this morning was Jesus holding a globe and he was weeping over the globe as I prayed this morning. We need to have his heart. We need to have his love. Again, let me repeat that. Churches and individuals, Christians, often struggle with a focus just on me. It's all about me. And as soon as you do things for just me, as soon as it becomes me-focused, I start to decline, our church starts to decline, our country, your business, whatever it is, will start to decline, and your world gets really small. Getting our eyes off ourselves, we need to then start to focus on the least reached people in Canada. And I want to ask you, if, if you've ever thought about who are the least reached people? Who, who are those that we should be going and talking to? And I mean, the simplest answer is, whoever doesn't know Jesus. But let me narrow it down. Let me make it really simple. God wants you to reach those you have access to. God's already set up the table for you to reach your world. I'm gonna challenge you and ask you, as we're going through this, go and make disciples, uh, this passage about be filled with the Holy Spirit and go and tell the gospel. Start asking God and say, who in my family should I be praying about? Who of my coworkers should I be praying about? Who in my neighborhood should I be praying about? Who do I already have a relationship with? And I guarantee you, almost everybody, even an extreme introvert, will have relationships that they can begin to share Jesus with. And again, don't go with the mouth first. Go with loving people. 
giving away pizza, coffees, praying at their flagpole. Uh, let's, let's love on our neighbors, cleaning their driveway, mowing their lawn, uh, lending them to it, whatever it is. I have such a kind neighbor on one side, he'll see me work in my car and he'll come over and lend me tools and lend me stuff. Let's love on each other like that. Here's something you may or may not know. You'll probably laugh when I say it, actually. Trust of government, media, and even science is at an all-time low. I, I heard a few of you laugh. I get it. Here's the next thing I want to follow that up. You, you might go, well, that's terrible. Could be, doesn't matter what I think. But here, I want you to hear this. People will trust those they know over anything else. Which has made it really hard to get truth out these days. Because my person, my friend I know beside me might be getting a really bad source. But I believe him because I know him. But here it is with the gospel. People will trust you if you know them. If you're their friend. If you've reached out and loved them if you've shown them care and concern, if you've brought them a meal when they need one, they're going to listen to you. They're going to hear your testimony, your story. They're going to observe your life. So where are you at? Are you hearing what the scripture is saying to you today? Now, as you remember, I was leading us through who should you reach out to? those that you already have contact with. But of course, we're talking a little bit more today about Alberta and Canada, not just in our own neighborhoods. Some of you have connections in other places. You need to ask God about them. But even more than that, we saw in the video how Philip was led. He, he went outside of his area and his people group. And he reached out to somebody that God had directly called him to reach out to. We need to be listening. We need to be Holy Spirit led, just like Philip. So what are some least reached people groups in Canada? I just want to point out a few and I won't dwell too long on them. You probably are quite aware that the First Nations people are one of our least reached people groups. For years, I have had a heart towards these very loving people and they've had it rough. They've had it really rough. 400 years of mostly exploitation. And it's made it really tough for my white skin to reach them. But the Holy Spirit can go beyond color of skin. The Holy Spirit can connect you up to some of these least reached people groups. First Nations often have a bias against me because of my skin, because of the way they were treated, and I need to be okay with that. Some of you maybe have read some of our first attempts with, this is a lot of my opinion too, some of our first attempts to reach First Nations, we basically went in and told them to be like us. And if you understand some of the First Nations thinking, it's so different than European background, ah, we're all starting to melt together now, and I know that. But First Nations people are very relational. They are not as much as clock watchers as we would be. 
So what did we do when we reached out to First Nations? We stuck them in neat little rows and told them not to talk to each other. Well, this goes against their culture. We didn't get too far. But I believe God may be calling some of you to culturally go and reach our First Nations people. And you know God is calling you. You have a love and a desire and just a, a, a passion for first. You just like hanging around them. God may be calling you. We as a church have done lots of, in my last 14 years, uh, we hired a native pastor. Uh, we supported a local church in town. We've done ministry up in Loon River. Uh, but I want to point something out. That's all past tense. We need to be doing something new. We have a lot of First Nations. You may or may not realize 6,000 First Nation people live right in Grand Prairie. Friends, we've got to reach them with the love of Jesus. And we do that by being witnesses, by loving on them, not demanding, not calling them down, not deriding them, but loving them. They are created in God's image just as much as you and I, and they deserve to be loved. When I went up to Loon River, one of their schools, well, actually it was their main school in their uh, band, was called the Jaycox School. Now, Jaycox was a white man who went in, in the, I think in the 1940s, 50s, and he loved those people. And he made such an impact. Now, here's one of the things that they told me when I was there. They said, when the government came to take our children away, Mr. Jaycock said they don't need their children taken away. And they left. And the natives named, or this band, this First Nation, named their school after Mr. Jaycox. God may be calling you to do something like Mr. Jaycox. Now, here's another least reach people group in our country. And it's New Canadians. Now, be careful there because you may or may not know over half of New Canadians are Christians that come to our country. That actually goes against some of the stuff you read on the internet that certain religions are taking over Canada. Now, most of the New Canadians are Christians. But many of them come from countries where they have never known a Christian. And you're living next door to them. Or you might feel called to go to Edmonton or Calgary or Ottawa, whatever, to reach out to these people coming to our country. You know the story. Our president, I was in a round table with him just last week. The president of the Christian Missionary Alliance said that 80% of all our new missionaries being sent out are new Canadians. You know what's going on. In fact, the fastest growing churches in Canada are new Canadian churches. You know what's going on. The Holy Spirit is doing a work and they're being saved and transformed, changed hearts, changed lives. And God is calling them to go back to their people. This is the best evangelism you could ever imagine. Anybody want to wonder who the third least reached people group, I mean kind of four because those people you know are least reached people group, but who the fourth least reached people in Canada would be? You may or may not be surprised, but it's the province of Quebec. Our French Canadian brothers and sisters. 
I, I wanted to read you. I, I picked this up on the Gospel Coalition website, and, and it's written by a Quebec pastor born and raised in Quebec. Listen to these words. Quebec is considered the largest unreached people group in North America, with an estimate of about 99.3% of the population that is not evangelical, although the way Canadian census studies religion since 2001 has really muddied the waters, so we're not sure about that, but listen to this. It is sometimes difficult for other Canadian Christians to imagine what the sheer proportion of unreached people mean in everyday life. I remember, this pastor writes, being a student in a 1,500-student high school in Montreal and not knowing any other Christians there. Only very rarely would I work at a place where there would be one believer. Jesus commanded us in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Very similar to the Acts 1-8 passage. Baptizing, so you make disciples, you tell them about Jesus, your witnesses, then you baptize them, you include them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them or disciple them or, or, or just teach them in the ways of Jesus. All that I have commanded you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. You see, this is Holy Spirit-led Christians and Holy Spirit-led churches, like Philip, going to the Ethiopian eunuch and telling him about Jesus. Now, I'll finish with just one story for this morning. I have heard a story of, it was a small town right on the coast. And it doesn't matter where the small town was, but this was especially during days when there wasn't the electronics and GPSs that we have today. And ships would follow the stars and they would follow their compass. And, but, you know, sometimes it would get cloudy for days and the winds would blow and they might get a little bit off course. Well, this little town was on a cliff with lots of rocks on the bottom. You can imagine what it is. What it would happen was during storms, especially during cloud cover, ships would run into the rocks and people in the hundreds were dying. And this really broke the hearts of the townspeople. So they got together and they said, Let, let's form a club and let's build a lighthouse. So they built a lighthouse and it was beautiful. It was tall. It was really bright. And it helped a lot. But during especially the really bad storms and the really bad weather, even the lighthouse couldn't seem to stop the ships from crashing on the rocks. So the townspeople got together again. <coughs> and they decided, we need to actually have some rescue boats. So they fundrose and uh, uh, they collected some money. They took offerings and, and they had some boats built. And every time a ship, even though their lighthouse was on, would wreck itself on their rocks, they would go out in these rowboats and they would pull people out of the water. Hundreds were saved. This town had something going for it. They reached out of themselves. They didn't just sit in their houses and go, well, they're dying on the rocks. They shouldn't be in their ships anyway. Or what are they thinking? What are they doing? They went out. They were on a mission. 
But let me tell you what began to happen with this lighthouse club that had these rescue boats. Over time, they started thinking, well, we so love being with each other. Uh, let's create and build a banquet hall. So they fundrose and they built a banquet hall. And then they thought, well, you know, we, we put ourselves out there so much, we need some self-care. So they began to bring speakers about self-care. And oh man, they grew so much in taking care of themselves. But pretty soon, between the banquets and the services that they had, they forgot about the lighthouse and it started to get really in bad shape, hardly ever operated. And all of the boats began to leak and they never used them half the time anyway. But boy, they were such a good lighthouse. They met all the time. They cared so deeply for each other. You know where I'm going. If we as a church, we are a lighthouse. We have been called by Jesus to reach the lost in Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada, and the world. And if we lose as individuals that Holy Spirit guiding, where we're asking God, what are my natural connections? Who should I be praying for? But even more, like the Philip, where the Holy Spirit says, you need to go move to a First Nations community and teach. Or you need to go and we have somebody that's going to Central America and he's gonna run a camp for some of the locals to share about Jesus. You see, God is still on the move. And we need to, I, I, again, we can have banquets, we have a beautiful building, that's not a problem. But if that's what we become about as a church, if it becomes about our incredible music and our, our I mean, the, the worship team today was incredible, it was so beautiful. I mean, I sat on the pew and I wish you could be here soon, hopefully. I, I was in tears at some point listening to them sing and praise God. But if that's all we're about, then shame on us. For Jesus told his disciples who started the church, don't do anything till the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, came, the first thing they did is went out on the streets and they evangelized to other nations and other tongues. That is the call that God has us as a Christian, as a church. May you, be somebody. And, and by the way, it's not a tough thing. Just start spending time in the Word. Uh, take our set free or our soul care or go through hearing God or we're going to be having uh, empowered ministers about your gifts in a little while to know what has God called you to, to serve. Take our courses. Get your heart right. Have the lies revealed. Uh, maybe go through the way material that we have. We have elders and staff that are willing to take people through the way. Start hearing God. Start getting his heart. Start being transformed. Change hearts, change lives. And let's be a church. Let's be a church where the Holy Spirit is leading us. And we're going into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, raise up us as a church. Help us, God, to be others focused, to consider others more important than ourselves. Oh God, we get so caught up, so religious, so stuck in a rut that we forget that there are people and the world around us changing and they're coming to our shores and, and we have First Nations people and we have Quebec that so desperately need to hear about you. But God, in order for us to be a transforming church, a worldwide church, we need to be transformed ourselves. 
Oh God, help us to renounce the lie that there's nothing more that can be done for this body, for this soul. I am who I am. My sins and all. Oh, that's such a lie. You desire to keep growing us, change us, and transform us. And oh God, just our recent soul care. There was so many people set free. Oh God, continue to work in us that we will become a world-focused church. In Jesus Christ's name I pray these things. Amen. Now if you feel like standing, you can in your houses. This is the benediction time. But as I prayed, would you please spend time asking God about being a world Christian? about reaching your neighbors. And again, if you're going, okay, I'm an introvert, that freaks me out. Hey, just spend time in the Word and ask God to change something in your character. And people will notice. And when people ask questions, you've heard me say it. I'll say it over and over again. Anybody asks you about you and your life and about God, the Holy Spirit's there. And just lean on Him. Just, just answer what the Holy Spirit puts in your mouth. But listen to these words. These are important. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you. He's the one that wants to do it. He's the one that wants to change you. What are you doing to let him do that? May he sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Fellowship in peace.